I know your bulletin today will be in First Timothy, but that is not true. We'll be in Matthew chapter 20 this morning. I'll explain in a few moments. Matthew chapter 20, that's page 825 in your pew Bibles, verses 29 through the following. This is the word of the Lord. And as they went out of Jericho, a great crowd followed him. And behold, there were two blind men sitting by the roadside. And when they heard that Jesus was passing by, they cried out, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. The crowd rebuked them, telling them to be silent, but they cried out all the more, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. And stopping, Jesus called them and said, What do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Lord, let our eyes be open. And Jesus in pity touched their eyes, and immediately they recovered their sight and followed him. May we be blessed by the reading of God's word this morning. I was in the deacons' meeting this morning and had been, you may be seated, excuse me, and sorry about that, like you're going to stand up the whole time, that'd be awesome. I was in the deacons' meeting and I had been preparing all week, really the last two weeks, as Brother Frank, uh, great job last week, Brother Frank, did the declaration of God's Word. Now, as a pastor, uh, I often uh, I don't like giving up the pulpit, not because I uh, don't like to, I just don't trust very many pastors to stand in the pulpit, but Brother Frank, uh, you are a trusted brother with God's Word, and I'm grateful for how you brought it to us last week. I pray that each of you, if you did not hear it, would go back and listen to it uh, this week. But I was been preparing the last two weeks for First Timothy chapter uh, three, and this morning in our deacons' meeting, I just felt the Holy Spirit uh, say to me, "And uh, do not preach that message. Come back next week. I want you to preach uh, this message in Matthew chapter twenty." And so I will obey him first and foremost. Before I start, though, if you ever have an opportunity to sit in this row or this row with all those little girls. I beg you, come. Uh, we can all take a page out of their book. Um, some of them were dancing. We got a little charismatic in here, a little dancing in here. They were sh- shouting and singing. Uh, man, the, the joy of a child. And the sad part is how often we as adults lose that. Uh, just to watch their faces, to watch them dance. I mean, that is the joy of the Lord. Amen? And so if you have a chance next week, the following week, just come sit in these first two rows. You can hear them. It's amazing. Um, they're a little off-key, but that doesn't matter. They're singing the joy of the Lord. Uh, maybe that's just me off-key. I'm not sure. Um, but I would encourage you to do that. And so let's get into God's Word this morning. I want to pose several questions to us this morning. The first question I would pose, the title of the message this morning is this. What do I believe about the power of Christ? What do I believe about the power of Christ? We'll see these two men in this story, what they believe to be true about the power of Christ. That's the first question. I'll ask seven questions this morning out of this text. That's the first one. The second question is this. Do I know my need? Do you know your need this morning? Do you know what you walked in with? What you're needy for to see the power of Christ work in your life this morning? Let's go to God's Word and see what God's Word says about our neediness. It says this in verse chapter 20, verse 29. This is also found in Luke's Gospel and in Mark's Gospel. And uh, 
the other Gospels, it says this, that there was one man blind, Bartimaeus. That's in uh, the book of Mark. In Luke, it talks about another man. But the, all three of these stories are the same exact story, just the writer recorded them a little differently. So this is blind Bartimaeus sitting on the roadside. And it says this, and they went out of Jericho. I'll pause there for a moment. If you know where we were at in the sequence of the book of Matthew, Jesus is making his journey all the way to Jerusalem where he's going to be uh, tried and convicted and hung on a cross to die. And so it says this, this is the moments before uh, Palm Sunday, the great triumphal entry of Christ the King into Jerusalem. This is moments before that. And so they're making this journey to uh, Jerusalem, but they're in Jericho. It says that a great crowd followed him. Remember, the crowd wanted Jesus to be their savior and their king, just not the way Jesus ended up becoming their savior and their king. They had these preconceived notions. And so wherever Jesus went, there was this large crowd that followed Jesus to see what Jesus would do. And I asked the question this morning, who are we in the story? Are we the crowd that follows Jesus? Are we the two blind, needy beggars? The crowd followed him, and behold, there were two blind men sitting on the roadside. When they had heard that Jesus was passing. And so here is the story. We see Jesus coming into Jericho, and on the side of the road, there would have been probably hundreds of blind people. There was something about Jericho. There was these trees that grew in Jericho that the people would use and pull the leaves off the trees and make this salve for their eyes for blind people. Blindness in that culture was prevalent. Many people believe that it was some bacteria that the mother carried, and when they gave birth, that bacteria went into the children's eyes, and uh, within days and weeks, that the child would become blind. And so many blind people would gather in Jericho because there's these healing trees. So there's many, many blind people. That wasn't new to this culture. And yet this day, we see these two blind men sitting on the side of the road. Now, blind people in that day are different than blind people in our day. Blind people back then, they were beggars. They were extremely needy people. They were the lowest of the low. They had no use in society. And so they had to sit by the roadside hoping that the travelers coming from where they're going all the way to Jerusalem would throw them some change, throw them some money so that they could survive off of. Because they were blind, they could not get a job. And so they were dependent on the travelers. And yet we see that these two blind men, they knew their need that day. They had known their need most of their life. And I posed the question to myself, I posed the question to you this morning, do you know that you are blind? Do you know what your need is today? Whether it's your spiritual need or maybe it's even a physical need. You see, the need for those men that day was a physical need. But this story is talking about a much deeper need. And we'll see that at the very end of this passage. And so this morning, do you know your need? Do you know what your greatest need is physically or emotionally or spiritually this morning? That's the first question in the series of questions. The second one is this. Do I know who can meet that need? Remember, those men had gone to 
Jericho hoping to get their need met through a tree. Like that's what they had placed their hope and faith in, that this tree, this miraculous tree, would they'd put these leaves onto their eyes and they'd be able to see again. But then something happened that day, something along the journey, something over the, the course of, I would say, three years when Jesus began his public ministry, these blind men began to hear about someone that could really meet their need. And so they said this, and behold, there, there was two blind men sitting by the roadside, beggars, and they heard that Jesus was passing by. So they had heard about Jesus. You see, I think that's so true in our culture here in America. Very rarely will we come across anyone who hasn't heard about Jesus. We go down to Publix. People at Publix, though they're lost as lost can be, they've heard about who Jesus is, correct? We don't live in a society that most people have never heard the name of Jesus or know what Jesus can do or what Jesus came to do. If we go anywhere on the street and we ask people about Easter, the majority of the people could tell us what Easter is all about. It's about Jesus' death. So these two men had heard about Jesus and they knew uh, who Jesus was. They even say who Jesus is. Lord, Son of David. Uh, so the first question I have for you, do you know who can meet your needs this morning? Do you know who can meet your need? You see, do you know your need? Now do you know who can meet your need? I'm going to skip the next verse and I'm going to come back to that in a moment. But the next question I pose to us, church, is this. After verse 31. They cried out all the more. Lord, have mercy on us, O son of David. So they know their need and now they cry out in their need. I wonder how many of us, myself included, I know my need. I know who can meet my need. But I don't cry out in my neediness. I go to fix it on my own. I often wonder in my occupation as a therapist, how many people come to me think I'm going to fix their problem. So many people ask me this on in a session. Well, what do I need to do? Just tell me what I need to do. Well, I could tell you what to do and that would fix your problem. I'd be a multimillionaire. All I can tell you is I know who you need to go to for you need to be met. But once I say that in a session, that pretty much closes the session because they want the immediate fix. And yet they don't want to cry out and continue to cry out like these men did. They continue to cry out to the Lord. Lord, have mercy on us, O son of David. So do I know the power and do I believe in the power that Christ can meet my need. Those two blind men knew their need. They knew who could meet their need. And they forged forward and believed that the power of who Christ was could meet their need. So we see that in the text. And I wonder, church, do we believe that today? He goes on and says this. And then they said to him, Lord, let our eyes be open. I know what I need. This is what I need. I just need my eyes to be open. 
We cry out to Him to open our eyes. And then in verse 34, it says this, And Jesus had pity on them. Or another word is compassion on them. Do I believe that the compassion of Christ will meet my need? Christ's pity on me, Christ's compassion on me is what meets our need. I'm so grateful for this story in this, in this moment. Remember where Jesus is about to go. Jesus is on His way to Jerusalem. Jesus is on His way to get tried. Jesus is on His way to the cross. I don't know about you, but if I know I'm going to the death penalty, I'm not going to have much compassion or pity on the guy on the side of the road. But in Jesus' compassion and pity, He stops. And I ask the question, and beg to ask the question, do you believe that Jesus will stop for your need? Do you know that you are Jesus' number one priority? Though it is to glorify God, Jesus knows in glorifying God, He must stop for the crowds and have compassion on the crowds. Think about that for a moment, where Jesus is going. But he's not preoccupied with the cross. He's preoccupied with the people that he's going to the cross for. And he stops and has compassion. In the Luke's gospel, it says this after this story, he then goes to Jerusalem. Before he even gets into Jerusalem, he overlooks the city of Jerusalem and he weeps for the people in Jerusalem and says, They're like sheep without a shepherd. All I want to do is gather them under my wings. And do we believe that to be true this morning, Pastor Chapel? Like that's Christ's compassion on us. He does not want us to be sheep without a shepherd, harassed and lost. He wants to gather us in. He wants to take time to have compassion on us. Do I, do you believe in the power of Christ's compassion? And the last question before I get back to the middle to ask, who are you? The crowd or the beggar is this. Do I know and do you know that Christ's redeeming healing work in my life will cost me something? Do you see that in the text? He said in Jesus, and pity touched them and their eyes. And what happened immediately they recovered their sight and followed Him. In that moment, once they had their healing of their eyesight, everything for them culturally changed. They could now go get a job. Like Now they could go be part of society, productive in society. They could no longer be beggars because they had everything they needed through Christ to go be productive in society. That's just societal. But do you catch what happened to them spiritually? They followed Him, which means they had to make great sacrifice to follow Him. Keith says that throughout the Gospels. If you're going to follow Me, you have to lose yourself in order to gain yourself. It cost them everything that day. The thing they needed was their eyesight, but the thing that they got now cost them everything. 
And I wonder, church, how often we come to Jesus, we want Him to meet our need, but we're unwilling to go through all the sacrifices once He meets our need. Here's what it says in Luke's Gospel. Not only did they follow Him, but it says then they glorified Him. In Christ meeting our needs, do we worship a holy God? Because it's not them that saved themselves. It's not them that gave them their eyesight. It wasn't any of them asking for their eyesight to be saved. But it was Christ Jesus and Christ alone who set their eyes to be free and open. And they said they followed him and they glorified him. And I wonder for me in my own life how often Christ meets my need. But I no longer want to follow him or glorify him. I'm just grateful I got my eyesight back. And it stops there. Whatever it is that you come in with this morning, are you able to see your need? Are you able to go to Christ and say to Christ, meet my need, meet my need? Once He meets your needs, are you willing to make the sacrifice after He's met your need? It's going to cost us something. And will we praise God Almighty? Now I want to go back to the first question I asked. Who are you? Are you the blind man or are you the crowd? Let's go back. Remember, this is the crowd that in a few moments is going to lay their clothes out so that he has a joyful, triumphant entry into Jerusalem. This is the same crowd in a, a few moments after that that's going to want to crucify him. This is a wish-washy crowd. And so I ask myself, who am I? Am I, am I the blind man or the crowd? Remember what the crowd does. They pass by. They begin to cry out. That word cry out literally means to scream as if you're giving birth. That's what the literal meaning it means. These people were not just saying that. Loud. They were screaming it over and over and over again. They knew their desperate need. Which irritated the crowd. The crowd rebuked them, telling them to be Silent. Here's what I know about the crowd. Here's what I know about the church. That there's the crowd within the church. There's people in our midst that don't want our needs to be met. You see that in the passage? Like it's obvious. The crowd obviously sees blind Bartimaeus and his companion screaming out that God would have mercy on them. They haven't even got to what they need or what they want. All they're saying is, God have mercy on us. God have mercy on us. And what does the crowd say? The crowd says, Shh, stop bothering him. Be silent. Now again, this is the same crowd in a few moments that's going to lay their, their coats out so that Jesus rides in like the great king that he is which is the same crowd and a few moments later that's going to want to crucify him. So they're saying there's people in our midst that don't want the mercy of God to be showered onto us. And so who are you? You see, the people in the crowd didn't understand their need. Therefore, when the needy people started getting rambunctious, they wanted to silence the needy people. 
I pray that there's none of us that are the crowd in here this morning. You may be saying to yourself, well, how, how are we the crowd? Well, I'll say it this way, as lovingly as possible. People that are in need and merciful, they don't look like us. Like those two beggars on the side of the road, they didn't smell good. They didn't look good. They weren't what society would achieve as they got it all together. Like the people that need mercy don't look like us. And as much as we say we want to reach lost people and we want to reach our community, well, if we really want to reach our community, look around. They're not going to look like us. They're not going to smell good. They're not going to act right. They're not going to talk right. They're going to be obnoxious. But I want you to be reminded, and I need to remind myself, I was once blind Bartimaeus. I didn't look right. I didn't act right. I didn't talk right. I didn't smell right. But yet somebody showed me compassion and pity. And when I cried out, it pointed me to a Savior. So I ask these questions, and I'll get to the closing. This morning, do you know your need? Here's the reality. All of us in this building have needs. I know I do. I'm a needy dude this week. I'll be needy again next week, and the following week, and the following. I don't have it all together. My neediness points me to a Savior every day. So every one of us, we have needs. Spiritually, emotionally, physical needs that we need to have met. She says to me, do we know who can meet our needs? Do we really believe in the power of the gospel, that the gospel meets all of our needs? Do I believe and do I know that there will be resistance in my needs being met. Am I willing to cry out to God all the more and be obnoxious the way these two blind men were? And lastly, in my neediness and when Christ meets my needs, will I make the sacrifices that must be met after He brings me to heal? See, if you're a believer today, I'll say this to young Connor. Tennyson was here. I'd say it to her. Jack Jackson was here. Any believer, once they go and they profess Christ, they're saying to us, the church, they're saying to the world, I want to look different. I am different. I must be different. Well, you know what being different means? It's going to cost you something, young Connor. It's going to cost you something. Here's what it cost me at 18 years old. I came to know Christ and went back to school on that Monday and told my friends and thought my friends would be overjoyed with me. And one by one at the lunch table, they got up and left me alone and thought I was a freak. And I sat at the lunch table that Monday all by myself and I pondered the question, what did I just do this for? Am I willing to count the cost? Are you willing to count the cost? Following Christ will cost you Everything. 
It costs these two men everything that day. It will cost me everything. It will cost you everything. Am I willing to follow Christ if it costs us everything? I heard this week this story of the persecuted church in China. I don't know if you've heard this on the radio, but the church of China is being more and more persecuted every day, more than it ever has been in the last 20 years. All of a sudden, the, the government of China is pressing in on the, the locals, the church, the believers, and persecuting them. Well, they've got to make a decision. Is God meeting my greatest need of my salvation? Are they willing to count the cost? We have brothers and sisters in Christ in China today going to prison and being murdered, but they're willing to cost count the cost. I don't know if a band rusher people came in here. I mean, I'm glad Jack built this pulpit. I'd hide under it. That's my fear. Because I want the gospel, but I don't always want it to cost me something. If I'm honest. And so in closing, I'll ask this question. Are we willing to have it cost us something? But the promise says this, if you'll turn with me in closing to Jeremiah chapter 29. The promise is this, when we ask God to meet our needs with all of our heart, willing to count the cost, this is Jesus and God's Promise to us. Chapter 29, verse 13. You will seek me, and you will find me. When what? When you seek me with all of your heart. You cannot have a divided heart when it comes to asking God to meet our needs. We must be willing to count the cost to having our needs met. But it will go back all the way to the beginning. Church, do you know your greatest need this morning? If you do, if it's spiritually, come find me, come find Frank, come find one of the deacons. We want to pray over you and for you. If you have a physical need that you need met, that's what the church is for. That's what Acts chapter 2 tells us that all the believers came together and they put all their stuff in this pile and then they divided it out so that there'd be nobody in need. And so we are here not just for your spiritual growth, we're here for your physical well-being as well. If you have a need, come find us. We want to do everything in our power to meet your needs. Is that not what Christ did for us? He gave His own life to meet our greatest needs. God, I am blind Bartimaeus. God, we here in this building are each blind Bartimaeuses. We all have needs. We may be struggling physically with our health. We may be struggling financially. We may 
be struggling emotionally. We may be struggling spiritually. We all have needs in this place. I pray that we would use the example of blind Bartimaeus, that we'd cry out to you, that we'd beg you, oh God, have mercy on us. And then we'd hold you to your promise that you would have pity and compassion on us and you would heal us. And God, in your healing of us, I pray that then we would go and we would make all the sacrifices that it means to follow you and to glorify you. And then God, as you send us back out into this world full of neediness, I pray that we'd be an example that there is a God who meets all of our needs. And we brag about you and how you have met our needs. And I'm sure this morning, God, all of us could get up and brag on you. I pray that we would do that, God. And I know in my own life, God, I need you today to meet me.